Welcome to So Chill with Andrew and Ryan, the perfect podcast to chill out and relax while we cover topics in business, technology, current events, self-improvement, and success. Here we are. Episode three. So chill. So chill with Andrew and Ryan. And I'm Andrew. How's everybody doing? I guess you can't uh, answer us, but, you know, you can talk into your you can car, car dashboard. You can appreciate the driving attention. Work. Yeah. Our concern. Yeah. You can appreciate that I asked. Yeah. You know, and that I genuinely, you know, I want to know that our Wherever you are, are, whatever you're doing, shout just how you're feeling. <laughs> Somebody out there is like, I feel miserable, but I'm glad that I'm listening to you guys. Yeah, maybe. Maybe one day. Yes, I was talking, we were talking, I think you were there. We were talking to Sean about editing. And, well, your brother, he's the, yeah, your brother Sean. My brother Sean about editing. He's the editing guru. He does that professionally. He knows the ins and outs. And he was like, you guys should get room, like, what was it? I don't know what he called it. Like A level for the room. Room tone. Maybe room that's what tone. he, room tone. Recorded. Yeah, he goes, hit record, and then don't say anything, and then just get an idea of the silence. Like, what is, what is the silence sound like? And he's like, no room is ever totally, completely silent. There's always something. And then when you get the room tone, somehow, some way, it helps with, like, the editing process. And you can, like, make it, you know, better. I don't know. I don't know how this stuff works. Editing magic. Editors, they're, they're magicians. Yeah, just change all their job titles. Magician. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know if they go for that because then, like, you know, all the other magicians too. It'd be like, which which one do I want to hire? Do I want to this hire hire this magician or this other magician? And one of them is actually a sound engineer or whatever. You know, who's one of my favorite local, like, Toronto slash Peel region magicians? I have a free shout out right here to Gramazing. Oh yeah, yeah. You remember Gramazing? He's good. You don't remember Grimazing? Okay. No. Well, we had him out at a KPA Christmas party a few years back. I wasn't there. And you were not there on account of not being a KPA employee. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he, he put on a good show. And from what I hear, I think he's, he's, still, he's still rocking it. He's still doing his thing in the GTA. That's great. Yeah. I'm so glad. Yeah. You know, he's all time. over YouTube and easy to find his stuff. It's on. a tough time for live performers. Grimazing right didn't pay me to say that. <laughs> I just... Gave a shout out to Grimazing. Well, his great. name is Graham. I think his name, I think his real name, like, that's his stage name, obviously, but his real name is like uh, Graham. Graham Reed. Oh, Graham Reed. I'll be okay. really embarrassed if I got his name wrong after all these years, but like memory serves like four or five years later, that's the name that's floating around in my head. Heard it here, folks. Yeah, right here. Grimazing. Oh, and just hitting buttons on the, on the mixer. What are we doing? I was trying to make it laughter, but oh, <laughs> you try to? It, are you start? Is there like laugh tracks? Yeah, like it's a, like it's a nineties. Oh wait, 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 wait! I think you might have. I think you might have killed your audio. <laughs> you did it. I think you just hit a laugh track button. Pretty cool, huh? On the machine. There you go. Yep. We don't. Contrary to popular belief, we don't have a live audience here for our podcasts. Andrew just hits a laugh track button. And now, now he's just playing. A, <laughs> now he's just hitting random buttons yeah. on the machine. Some of these buttons don't look. Uh, <laughs> they don't look okay to me. No, I know. Not if you don't even know. I have no idea what any of them do. <laughs> now we're now we're moving dials. Like 
it's just I just pressed the sad button, but nothing happened. I guess it's not sad. I got a story for you though. Um, when I was driving home, yeah, from our last recording. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I've told you. Okay, so I told you off air, but I'm now going to tell you on air, so that everyone else knows. Um, they had a mandatory alcohol screening breathalyzer checkpoint. Uh, off the highway, you know, on the exit that I take to go home. And fortunately, everything that we were drinking that night, I don't, I don't drink and drive as a matter of just, you know, personal values, but uh, everything we were drinking that evening was 0% alcohol. Correct. Yeah. It was, uh, so like I'm, I'm in this lineup of cars trying to exit off the highway and they're, you know, I look ahead of me and they're, they're breathalyzing everybody. And like this was, you know, a few years ago, they came out with this law that said we're going to do these mandatory roadside screenings and you can't refuse. And, you know, if you do, you get arrested and all this stuff. And um, some people like that is a great question. Is it legal? So um, do you know any lawyers? (laughs) Very funny. But like, I mean, you know, there's there's all there's an argument to be made that like, is this um, intrusion upon our constitutional rights that's. It's a little too extreme that that crosses the line. And I, to be clear, personally, not as a lawyer, just as a regular guy, yeah. I have absolutely no problem with these mandatory roadside random breathalyzer checks. I makes have no it, problem. Makes it safer. Yeah, it does. So, um, you know, the, the constitutionality of it is, you know, it's either, you know, legal or not legal. I'm, I'm going to let the Supreme Court decide that, whatever, if they haven't already. I mean, I haven't looked into it. But... Mm. Um, you know, I was uh, in this lineup of cars and I, I drive up and I'm like nervous as hell because I'm like, man, I've been drinking zero alcohol beer all night, but now my breath is going to smell like regular old beer. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe this cop is going to be like, oh, I smell something funny. And like maybe the machine is going to think that this zero yeah. alcohol beer smelt a little bit too much like beer. And then, well, there's alcohol in you. I don't know how these machines work. So I'm it's, like, it's actually the, uh, no, I, I know that group. it's going to, it's going to actually test for the presence of actual yeah. alcohol, but, so, but I'm mean, like freaking out. I'm like in, this, in my car. They make it with some kind of extract from, uh, I think it's like, uh, not pomegranate, but, uh, what's the other one? Grapefruit. Yeah. Some kind of grapefruit extract that they discovered that reacts with alcohol. Okay. It changes color. Interesting. Or something so. like that. And, uh, you can make your own breathalyzer. At home, yeah, with a chemistry kit with grapefruit. Yeah, well, I mean, these are the cops, right? So whatever they got, it's probably probably really, really good grapefruit. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. So like, I I drive up and the the cops like, have you had anything to drink tonight? I'm like, nope, I haven't. She's like, okay, well, just breathe into this device, and I'm like, all right. And then like, she pulls out the little mouthpiece from a fresh piece of you know plastic wrap. And she's like, you can. I can, I'm showing you that, you know, this is clean, I guess, COVID, whatever. And well, I mean, with or without COVID, it's, it's a courtesy to be like, nobody else's mouth has been on this. She's like, I'm showing you this is clean. And um, she puts it on the machine and she's like, okay. And she holds it near my face and I just start blowing into it. She's like, not yet. <laughs> so then I start laughing, which is probably the worst thing you can do in that situation because not only does my breath smell like fake alcohol, I'm also laughing while being breathalyzed, which is like all signs of a guy who's maybe buzzed a little bit. But anyway, she just, I'm like, okay. And then I wait 
And then she's like, okay, now. So I'm like blowing, I'm blowing, I'm blowing. And I don't know why I'm so nervous because I'm like, I haven't drank anything. I'm just nervous. So she's looking at the machine and I'm like looking at her and I'm like, okay. And then it comes back. It says zero. It's a green light, everything else. And then she's like, okay, great. You can go. You know, you just remove the mouthpiece yourself for me, please. Okay. Pull that off. Um, and I don't know what to say. It's like this awkward moment. And I was like, well, thanks for keeping us safe. <laughs> That's what it is. She was so surprised. This, this police officer was like, oh, no worries. <laughs> I kid you. She's like, no worries. Everyone then, else is probably like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, there's I probably deal with a lot of jerks or just oh, yeah. a lot of whatever. Well, she was like, no worries. Thank you. And then she thanks me twice. She goes, thank you. <laughs> I was like, okay, we'll see you. It was just the weirdest thing. Probably one of the most pleasant interactions I've had with the police. Wow. That's and <laughs> it just I, went on I my way. I saw a comedian recently talk about um, being stopped by the, the cops. Yeah. And he said, you know, when I was a kid, my parents taught me if a person has a gun, respect them because you only have human rights while you're alive. <laughs> that's all it takes. Well, I guess, I mean, like, pretty easy to get a gun in America, though. Yeah, this guy was from uh, Nigeria. Okay. But, Probably uh, pretty easy to get a gun in Nigeria, too. Uh, yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's Nigeria. Yeah. I know nothing about Nigeria, but... But you assume. But I assume, you know, general... The, the big city in Nigeria is, like, 20 million people. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's, like, half of Canada right there. More than half. Yeah. 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 There you go. Go Nigeria. Yeah, it's a big place. <laughs> what are they doing right that we're not? I mean, I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe it's the weather. They have such nice weather over there. Do they? Well, it's pretty sunny. Yeah. It's right, I in, mean, right in the middle of Africa. Yeah, I guess it'd have to be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there there is also such a thing as, like, being too warm. My Well, my my business partner and very good friend, Preet, would disagree with that. She... uh She's like, whenever, whenever it's like a really warm day and I'm like, ah, it's too hot. She's like, no, it's not. It's perfect. And, you know, she's you know, got her, she was, I think she grew up in India. So it was a completely oh, different wow, climate okay. there. Yeah. yeah. It's a, there's a completely different like baseline of what is a, considered to be a, a warm day. Well, today was, uh, was a really mixed day here in Toronto, just to tell you about the weather. I don't know. No, we did that last episode. We're not going to do it again. We're not going to do the weather this No, time? we're not going to do, we're not going to give people weekly weather updates. On our podcast. They can just get that from the Weather Network. But can I get the historical weather? I don't think you get backwards-looking weather. It only looks forwards and only for about two weeks. We can get we can get Andrew's emotional experience of our physical environment. Can, I, can we just listen to Emotional Weather Report by Tom Waits? I didn't even know that was a thing that existed. Oh, man, it's a great song. <laughs> can you find yeah. it? Yeah, I can find it for sure. I mean, he's, okay. he's upset about uh, a breakup, and so he's talking about... Um, his emotions as the weather. Um, I'll get it for you. Weather report. Okay, here it is. What we're talking about is late night and early morning low clouds. With a chance of fall. Chance of showers into the afternoon. With a variable high cloudiness and gusty wind. Of my apartment, I get upset. 
storms was developing in the early morning hours ahead of a slow-moving cold front. Cold blood. With, with tornado watches issued shortly before noon Sunday for the areas including the western region of my mental health. Anyway, so that was back when there was a lot of saxophone in uh, in popular music. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Waits is uh, an an amazing musician who's uh, got an eclectic style and uh, uh, a unique persona. I can can tell. There's only one Tom Waits. Yeah. (laughs) Man's got talent. Yep. Did you read the news today? Did I read the news today? No. You know what? It it was a bananas day. I didn't start saying that until you start saying that. Bananas day. Bananas day. But it was a bananas day at the office. It was just too much, and I did not like. What's going on? Tell me what's going on in the world. I don't know. I didn't read the news. I thought you you might have read the news. I really felt like you were going somewhere with that question. I thought I thought you were going to be like, well, I read the news and I want to tell you about this thing that I read. The most terrible thing in the news this past week was. the 215 ah, indigenous yeah. children that were found yeah, yeah, at yeah. Uh, the mass grave. <sighs> that's really, yeah, like, that's, that's horrific. That's, uh, yeah, that's on the church even. and the government. Yeah. And, and the citizens, you know, for, for letting it happen. This is something for anyone who thought ever, or ever thought or continues to think that Canada is some kind of rosy place with a spotless history. If you think that, or if you're under that, you know, misunderstanding, perhaps if you're American or whatever, um, Canada's got some, some dark, you know, dark history. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, frankly, I don't even, I, I mean, you can hear that I'm struggling to find the words. But one thing I wanted to highlight is that this, like these, for lack of a better, for lack of any other word that I can come up with, these atrocities are very fresh wounds. You know, you think of Canada's darkest chapters in history as being like these ancient, long forgotten traumas. Mm, That's not true. You know, when you actually look at the dates, um, I saw this post on Facebook by... uh, an indigenous group that was saying like these are these are living traumas there are people alive today that can remember the destruction that was caused by you know the residential schools yeah yeah i don't know that it just it's a it it almost it's very it's very difficult for you know as a canadian when you look at how the nation responded and reacted to um other uh, other tragedies that we've seen and the comparative response to this tragedy. Um, I think that's that's just something that is very indicative of how we how society generally tends to view horrific things that happen to us based on which community it happened to. You know, the, the reaction and the outrage and the, and the visceral feeling of anger, remorse, and sorrow is not the same. And that's part of the problem, right? Like, I'm, I'm not Indigenous, but I know, I know what it's like to feel marginalized. 
And I know what it's like when your suffering is not put on the same equal footing as other groups of humans suffering. Right. So, I mean, again, um, I'm not, I don't think that any tragedy should be more important than any other tragedy. I think loss of life is loss of life. And I think when, um, horrific things happen like they have in our country, we need to take them really seriously. And that's it. I mean, I just, again, like I said a few moments ago, I struggled to find the words and I've been struggling for the last, you know, two minutes as I've been rambling on with this. But yeah, that's something that I think almost subconsciously I was, my mind was almost trying to make me forget, uh, which is why, you know, I started out the first 10, 15 minutes of this conversation like, hey, what's going on? Everything's great. Because like you just learn, you know, it's sad, but we, we almost instinctively get into this habit of burying um, negative emotions, really like really negative stuff that we just don't don't want to process or don't yeah. want to deal with. But it's like, you know, it's it's easy for us to sit back and look at things that are happening in other parts of the world as like, oh, that that's not our country, that's not our world, that doesn't matter to us. And then something happens or something's discovered in your own country that forces you to um, to come to terms with the the inhumanity of uh, of things that have happened right here in, in, for lack of a better expression, in our own backyard. So, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's not one of those things you really can't say much. I I hope they, um, they get justice and, uh, and that, that they can heal from that, you know. Uh, I have two kids and... I've I've thought like what well, if somebody took my kids from me and put them in some school in some other place and uh, you know forced them to learn some other language instead of what uh, what they've grown up with and uh, like I would go absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's trauma of the worst kind. Sorry guys, we did not intend for this to be like the the really like deep and depressing podcast episode, but. Uh, I mean, you also don't want to bury your head in the sand of what's happening or what we're finding out about our own country. You know, you got to you gotta face these things. And like you said, uh, it's about justice. It's about righting wrongs. And it's about, you know, um, I don't think, I don't think there are certain things that just, there's not, there's no policy or apology from our government or whatever that could, that could right certain wrongs. There's no way. Some things are just too devastating. The darkness is too uh, severe. Yeah, it's like, you know, let's say it's the analogy of a relationship between two people. Uh, if somebody just totally breaks the trust and acts out of malice and, and terrible things happen, you know. But how do you ever forgive yeah, that? How do you ever forgive that? How do you ever move on from that? Yeah. Yep. I hear you. But there are people out there who are far more knowledgeable about the the um, history uh, in this country regarding you know indigenous rights and, and and atrocities that are committed against have been committed against the indigenous population and unfortunately you know I just I wish I knew more because I never took the time to you know absorb that knowledge and educate myself and um, become aware of the the historical context behind the very uh, 
very terrible things that have happened in this in this nation's you know history books when it comes to Canada and, and its relationship with the indigenous population. Well, maybe this is my cue to learn more. Yeah. Maybe this is you know time to time to actually choose to not be ignorant and find the find the right sources of information where accurate you know uh unbiased historical accounts not not polluted or distorted by colonial you know interpretations of history but you know authentic history go and find those sources and you know absorb that knowledge yeah, I've been following, uh, when I got into TikTok about uh, a year ago, I started following uh, some Indigenous creators and storytellers, and uh, it's been eye-opening to to learn about uh, uh, some of the culture and uh, the relationship between the Indigenous and, and how they feel about our government. Yeah, it's uh, it changes your perspective on things for sure. Yep. Um, this week I attended a an online seminar about um, um, diversity and inclusion, sort of like uh, equity training. Uh, it was offered for free through Staples Studio. It's one of the community connections. And uh, it talked about, um, it was actually this uh, uh, person named Muriel Alexander. She said that um, the more diverse voices you're including in your narrative, the better the narrative's going to be. And if you're trying to find consensus, the better the consensus and more long-lasting that consensus will be because it includes uh, more people's perspectives. Right. And, and you're including them in the decision-making. Right. Gotcha. And and that's something that uh, has to happen better in, in government in Canada. Yeah. Speaking of the government of Canada, my... Well, I already mentioned her earlier in this podcast, Preet, business partner and good friend. She is running for federal MP of Brampton Center. This is not a political plug. I'm just bringing this up that uh, we need good people in government who will, you know, um, do better. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. You know, and that seems to be the theme in politics that the nation rallies around a leader that promises to do better than what we've seen. And then they get into power and then it's just a big mess and there's more scandals and there's more, you know, abuse of power and whatever else. And then we rally around another politician and another politician and they always seem to fall short of our hopes and our expectations. Um, with the exception of like, you know, I mean, um, I like to think that, you know, I'm a proud Canadian, but sorry, I got to hand it to the Americans when they elected Obama <laughs> they, they, they really. There was nothing to regret for the eight years that he was in office. That you know, not a single scandal, not a single you know, like nothing to. I don't, I don't, I don't imagine that he harmed the nation in any way. Everything, the legacy he left behind was, was just stellar. And I say that as someone who's not even a some American or even allowed to vote in that country or anything. I'm just from a outsider looking in. They did a great job with that one. So, I mean, like, there are politicians out there, maybe not necessarily in this country, but, like, there are politicians out there who um, who really deliver on the message of hope and a, and a better world that they promise. So, Yeah, I, um, I didn't hear very many bad things about uh, Barack Obama. 
Um, I still haven't finished his uh, his memoirs from his time in office, but um, I heard that they were still bombing parts of the Middle East while he was in power, and we just don't hear about it, you know, because it's it's like Yemen. And what do we know about Yemen? I know next to nothing about Yemen. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. But, um, you know, politicians, um, of course, they, they need a base. They need a strong base in order to uh, stay in power and, and continue to uh, have their job. And so the incentive is to know which groups to keep happy. Yeah. And know which groups are just not stakeholders. And, uh, you know, there's a great book about um, dictatorships. Um, by, uh, I'll look it up. But um, this book talks about how the less people there are involved in the decision-making, the easier it is for there to be a dictator and the more likely that there is a dictator. That's very interesting. Yeah. Andrew is looking up the book right now, so stand by for that title and that author if he's able to find it. <laughs> the Dictator's Handbook by Bruce Bueno de Mesquita and Alistair... Last name. I can't tell. Bruce Bueno de Mesquita um, gave a TED Talk over 10 years ago, I remember watching it, and it was about how they've used quantitative techniques to be able to predict who gets elected, what events are more or less likely to happen. And I think the, the big money and the smart money is spending a lot on crunching numbers in order to be able to predict uh, future events and their likelihood and... Um, it was very interesting technology. Wow, very cool. Even from 10 years ago. Um, and I, I wonder how much of it really worked because, you know, sometimes this stuff promises more than it can deliver. Yeah. But um, he seems to really know what he's talking about. And, um, you know, some of the, the things they said, they had a quantitative technique for actually not just driving, driving from the poles, but they had a quantitative technique for uh, putting all the news articles and the the graph network of who knows who and who's connected to who and all the parties yep. to say who's going to get elected. And wow. they were right about, uh, I think it was Iraq. Oh, wow. Yeah, way back when. I heard the second episode, by the way, where Idan inserted a little... <laughs> Shout out to himself in the middle of our episode. What, <laughs> what did he say? I haven't heard it yet. No, I think it was like something like we were telling him to edit out something, and he was did just like, right "No, away. I'm not going to do it." <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know what? I bought these really great protein bars, and I'm actually gonna. You're gonna hear me bite into one right now. You can hear the wrapper. I'm counting my calories. Yeah. Yep, I them. You don't have to deprive yourself. As long as you in our, you're in a calorie deficit, you don't need to feel hungry all the time. You can actually eat the things that you want to eat that taste good and all that stuff and still lose weight. That's been working for me. But here's the thing. If you eat things that 
are in, really high in calories, but they don't keep you full, now you're in trouble. Because you're very quickly going to go over the number of calories that you can sustain in a day. And you still have more cravings to eat. Yeah. So it's important to eat things that make you feel full for a long time. I think that's called uh, glycemic load. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. It's uh, how much sugar there is compared to the amount of calories. You've been burnt out, man. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you that straight up. You've been overworked and burnt out for like maybe the last, as far as it's been visibly obvious to me, like the last two or three weeks. Yeah. But maybe it's been much, much longer than that, and you were just really good at hiding it. I think so. Yeah. Because we were supposed to go, I think, we were supposed to go to the meet up with a couple of other people, two other people, like two or three other friends at the beach. Yeah. And just have a bonfire like a week or two ago. Uh-huh. And it was like 5 o'clock, like 5 p.m., and you call me, and you were like, I can't do it, man. I'm going to crash. You yeah, went home and Friday you slept. Night. Yeah, Friday night. I slept. At like six, I think you fell asleep by like six at the latest, maybe earlier than that. PM, and you woke up what, like fifteen hours later the next day. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I woke up early that day, but mm-hmm. um, I definitely slept a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been like just hustling out here at Staples and doing your programmer stuff and your programming. You yeah, know. actually, I I am I'm doing some really interesting data science right now, and it's open source, so I can even talk about it. Uh, I'm gonna geek out on you for a little bit. Uh, I built a recommendation engine that is sort of a hybrid recommendation engine. Mm-hmm. So it uh, it uses collaborative filtering, but collaborative filtering uh, generally does not have knowledge of any of the the actual items. Uh, so let's say you add a new item into this collaborative filtering thing. Um, it, it only has the past data about which users like what. So if, you know, let's, let's go to e-commerce for the, the example because it's a, an, under, an analogy that everybody will understand. Is if I'm buying um, uh, shoes and jeans and T-shirts from uh, some online retailer and somebody else is always buying dresses and blouses... Uh, as soon as you put in one item to your shopping cart online, let's say it's a blouse, it's going to recommend a dress. And similarly, if, if everybody who buys sneakers buys uh, jeans and T-shirts, then as soon as you put sneakers in your shopping cart, it's going to tell you uh, jeans and T-shirts. Is that like on Amazon where you, you're looking at an item and it says – People who bought this item also bought these other items That's or, like, right. commonly bought together. I actually love using that feature because, like, it's it actually think, takes the thinking, the effort of thinking out of my hands. I'm like, oh, like, I want to buy this, I don't know, this tech thing or whatever, like, some some yeah, audio it, it production. The, the thinking out of and it. And it's like, you should probably get this wire and yeah. you should probably also get this mixer or whatever. Like, like. But so there are other recommendation algorithms that work based on knowledge of the items. And so uh, the collaborative filtering example that I I just described, uh, the algorithm doesn't know what genes are, doesn't know that they're related to shoes, other than people always buy them together. Now, there's also the idea that you can do, uh, 
you know, a more artificial intelligence approach or machine learning in order to understand what those things are. And that way, if somebody um, wants a shirt, maybe it'll recommend another very similar shirt uh, in sort of a nearest neighbors kind of approach. And so what I did is this hybrid where I, I have uh, vectors that describe the underlying object. So I, I do have knowledge of the, the items, uh, and the algorithm understands what they are. So it knows which items are more similar to others based on natural language processing. And then I performed clustering on all those vectors and assigned a cluster to every single item. And, uh, and so... So basically you're, what you're saying is you're really smart. Thanks, bud. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing collaborative filtering yep. on the clusters, you know so what? these groups, you instead of yeah, go ahead, the, sorry, the go underlying ahead. items. So it's like there are the, the algorithm was able to identify yep. there are a whole bunch of shirts, there yep. are a whole bunch of jeans, there are okay. a whole bunch of all these other things, um, instead of just going item by item. So it's not the specific brand or item of shoes. It's any kind of shoe, for example. Yeah. yeah. You know what really just blows my mind when I listen to stuff like this is the the incredible amount of energy and time and money and sophistication that goes into influencing our spending behavior. Obviously, trying to get us as consumers to spend more, um, but also in really like creative, efficient ways that almost kind of prime us to be that much happier with our purchase. It's like, not only did I spend more than I planned to on this online spending binge, I got all this stuff that I didn't even know I wanted, but now I realize I wanted it and it's awesome. You know, and like, I mean, they've been doing that at malls for decades, but now the psychology of like, you know, analyzing user click behavior and and like, designing the user experience of like websites and uh, apps where you shop on. It's just so much more sophisticated. They're using really, really advanced technology to get us to spend more. And like you look at the e-commerce industry, you know, and, and how much it's grown over the course of the pandemic and how much it was growing even before the pandemic. Something, you know, this, this, this technology is working. I was actually explaining this to someone that if you ever remember that old story about, you know, the first computer to beat the world chess champion. It's a long, long, long time ago. 1997, Gary Kasparov at IBM Steve Blue. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, I remembered the names that were involved. And um, uh, I was thinking, I was like, if you compare that, compare that situation where, where this computer, Deep Blue, was so good at chess that it defeated the world champion um, more than once, actually. And then you use that as an analogy. You just compare that to shopping and think of the shopper as one of the chess players and think of the algorithm that's trying to get you to buy stuff as the other chess player. And it's a game. The shopper just wants to stay within their budget and the algorithms, quote unquote, like the the objective of the game to win the game is for the algorithm to get you to spend more than you probably planned on doing. And when you're, like, playing a game against a computer, you're probably going to lose. Yeah, eventually, so. if, if the, that same computer is playing the, that same game against 
I don't know. Millions, millions of people. Of other, millions of other people. Yeah. It's going to learn a few tricks. Yeah, to get you to spend. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy. Like, it, just, you know, step outside the world of technology for a second and, and like, um, apps and, and online e-commerce and all that other stuff. Just look at how businesses, some businesses anyway, I like to think that we don't do this kind of crazy stuff at our company. But uh, I knew, I'm not going to name any names, but I knew a therapist who would, from a business perspective, you know, as a business um, revenue, let's, let's put it this way, from a business interested perspective that was focused so- solely on revenue and profit, if I were to just look at this person's attitude towards what they were doing in their career from that perspective, they actually, they actually welcomed and encouraged negative events in their clients' lives and took some delight in it because that represented a value acquisition for the company. If That's terrible. And I and the thing is like I don't I there's thousands if not, you know, hundreds of thousands of therapists out there who probably don't look at their jobs this way. But I'm also willing to, I'm not naive, I'm also willing to bet that there's many 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 therapists out there who actually welcome their clients' lives being um, not as positive and as healthy and as good as they should be because a happy client is not going to be a client for long, right? A happy client is not an indefinite revenue stream. Whereas someone who's constantly going in and out of relationships, constantly trying to get over the next breakup, constantly trying to um, get their life together and never, they never seem to get out of therapy, well, that's a customer for life. And you would like you, you think that like, okay, well hang on. That's a that's a crazy, crazy way to and a terrible way to paint therapists. So to yeah. be clear, I'm not painting therapists this way. I'm painting this one therapist this way. And I'm also willing to bet that this is not the one person in the entire world who thinks this way. There are probably more out there. And it makes you wonder, you know, like there's this insidious profit oriented motivation to make money off of clients and customers, even if you're making their life worse, which is the opposite or the antithesis of what you are, you know, claiming to do for them. And it's, it, you know, really disappoints me as an entrepreneur and as someone who's passionate about business and how, you know, it's possible to make other people's lives better, but also make a good living off of that. Um, you know, it's, it's sad that, uh, there are businesses out there like this, but, you know, be naive to think that all, all companies and corporations out there have our best interests at heart, which they obviously don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're just made up of people who are, of course, fallible. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's work to uh, to level set your intentions every day, but you got to do it. And you got to say, the work that I'm doing, I'm going to do for someone's well-being. And, uh, and you just have to, because what goes around comes around. You make the world that you live in. Yeah. So... Yeah. That says it all. That says it all. I used to drink a lot of coffee. Honestly, I had to cut that shit out. I cut out alcohol and I cut out caffeine and I just started exercising more. I cut out, all, boy, did I cut out sugar. I mean, I still have sugar, but I, uh, I do not have even a, like. You're a changed man. Yeah. Even, even a third of the sugar that I used to consume. And, uh, yeah, let me tell you, I feel better. I feel more focused. I feel more energized. I feel I've definitely lost weight. Um, you know, I fit in the clothes that I haven't worn in a long time. So 
yeah, it's just you just gotta you just gotta know know what your why is. Like, you know, start with start with that. Why am I doing this? What's my goal? What do I want? How badly do I want it? And think about that every time. And there was like at, at the office today, there was uh, you know typical office stuff. They have donuts and cakes sitting yeah. around and people are stressed out working. So what they do, they reach for a donut and they feel better. Yeah. Right. And that stuff's popular and around the office. Cool. Whatever. And I went over to, you know, think about like, maybe I want a slice of this cake. And then I pulled up my, my app where I'm tracking my calories. And I, I looked at how many calories it would be. And I was just like, Ooh, no way. And I, I like the instant, the instant I saw the number of calories, it wasn't like, Oh, I really want this cake, but like mm, the calories, like my, my desire at that I moment no was, longer want this cake. yeah, I no longer want it. Like, that's good. yeah, I just, I just don't want to eat that. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's all it comes down to. How did you sleep last night, man? I slept like a baby last night. You, you slept know? like a I baby last night. I slept from, uh. Like eleven to eight thirty. Eleven to eight thirty. Yeah. No way. Way. How's your nutrition been today? Great. I took vitamins. I ate some salad. I had uh, lots of greens. I had asparagus, broccoli, cauliflower. Um. Yeah, it's been good. Well, I mean, you should thank your wife for the very fulsome meal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't even make all of it. I just assume that Zasha makes dinner for you. Yeah, yeah, she does. Because I can't imagine you making all that wonderful stuff. <laughs> oh, thanks, bud. Oh. Okay, okay, I see how it is. I'm just yanking your chain, man. You remember I used to work at uh, Vegetarian Fast Food You did, yeah, many, many years ago. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, Andrew's uh, culinary skills are actually the exact opposite of what I just described. He He worked at this pretty cool restaurant which i think might actually still be at, at waterloo it closed in 2018 no it, it closed yeah, and it was very sad when that's I saw sad it. vegetarian well, fast food was one. a really really great restaurant i remember and that they did so much good stuff for uh yeah. for the community they yeah it was affordable food close to the um student housing and uh you know uh i i sure got paid and uh i ate a lot of great food yeah you did yeah I, I went to vegetarian fast food a couple of times back in Waterloo. I didn't. It wasn't like I was there all the time, um, but the the owner, really nice guy. Well, Huey. the former owner because it's gone now. But his name was what? Huey. 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 I wonder where Huey is now. I wonder where his life took him. I don't know. Because that was like that was like sixteen, fifteen, sixteen years ago. That was yeah. some time. Yeah, that was a, somebody's lifetime ago. Half my lifetime ago. Yeah. Well. Little under half your lifetime. Little under. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we uh, we had some pretty exciting events uh, happening at uh, KPA. Not like, not like literally events, not like public events or anything. Just ongoings, developments, stuff like that. And we had some new people join the team. That's great. Yeah, lots of energy around the office. A lot oh. of people, most of the people in the office are, I don't know if it's most, but Many of them are vaccinated, and wow. there's just a general level of ease in the office now, a little bit yeah. less fear. My wife's getting her second vaccine on Tuesday. Second dose on Tuesday. Second dose on Tuesday. No way. That's way. awesome. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. Yeah. I'm starting to, you know, get back to normal a little bit here. Yep. Yeah. 
Oh, would you look at that? I just got a video from one of my team members. Yeah, sorry to change subjects so quickly, but uh, this is pretty weird. She um, she sent me a video that appears to have... Just look at here. Look, I'm going to play this. Oh, that's a fire. That's a that's fire. Terrible. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not her place on fire, okay, but, but still, it's her, it's her neighbor. Place. It looks like it's across the street in a... Uh, a Apartment building, so that oh. whole, that whole building could go up in flames. Oh no! If it spreads, oh no! Holy! Let's see again. It's yeah. I'll play it again for you over here. Yeah, it looks like that entire unit is on That's fire. So terrible. What end of town is that in? Um, well, I think this particular employee lives in Hamilton. Oh no! So yeah, they're uh, at this very moment. Well, no, this, so this was sent to me, I didn't even realize, this was sent close to 40 minutes ago. So for, as of 40 minutes ago, there is a apartment building on fire in Hamilton. Damn. Holy. Yeah. You should ask for an update. Hopefully the fire crew have uh, sorted out by now. I think by now they've probably, I don't think they're going to let that whole building go up in smoke. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the in, immense amount of, Genuine optimism and faith I have in our municipal services. Great. Yeah. What's on your mind, man? Nothing. Nothing. I uh, I am a little tired, and it's it's after 9, but, uh, you know, I'm a big boy. Usually I stay up till 10, 11, 12, sometimes even 13. You know what happens on days like this? And it's so frustrating. You spend the whole evening just, like, down and out and, like, feeling like you're in a... You're going to just, like, crash in any moment. And then maybe you do, maybe you, you doze off, and guess what happens, and you know where I'm going with this. You wake up in the middle wake of the Wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning. So energized. And, and energized and also frustrated and angry that you woke up so damn early. Yeah. And you can't get back to sleep until, what, 6.30 in the morning? And maybe you catch a couple hours before you go to work. Happened to me the other day. And then that morning, I went to work, and I'm like, hearing the same story from multiple other people. Something is going around, I don't mean biologically or scientifically, I mean like figuratively and spiritually. Something is working its way through this goddamn city in our hearts and minds, and it is robbing us of our sleep. I think it's just this collective trauma from the pandemic. I think it's a lot of fear and uncertainty about the future. And, you know, we spend our days walking around like these you know, sleepless zombies, and we spend our nights just, like, tossing and turning wide awake in bed. And it's no way to live, you know. And kudos to you if you're listening to this and you're like, that's not me. I wake up at 5 a.m. and I have a matcha, and then I go for a run, and then I sit and watch some, you know, TV with my dog or whatever. Like, if you're living a perfect, you know, wonderful, balanced existence like that, you got to tell me how you're doing it. You know, you can know you can find me, Google me. My name is Ryan Keeney. Search me up on Google, K-E-E-N-E-Y. Send me an email and just be like, you know that work-life balance and happiness stuff you're talking about? This is how I do it. And then, you know, I will follow whatever. 1,000 life coaches emailing you. I'm going to get 1,000 life coaches being like, I only charge $400 an hour to make your life that much better. Would you do this? Would you sign up? So if you're, you know, if you're going to, try to sell me some 
healing rocks just that are going to like change my chi or whatever. Just make it work. Just just like either either give me a hundred percent guarantee that it's going to work with like a money back guarantee, <laughs> or just don't 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 even bother. <laughs> <sighs> Or, or going back to the therapist thing, I'm going to get a bunch of therapists being like, you just need to talk about your feelings and then your life will balance out. And then, you know, I don't know why I'm doing all these impersonations today. It's all the same impersonation. It's too. all the same person. It's all the Who same. Who is it? Who is it? It's all the same pretentious know-it-all. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't know. I just, it's an abstract character. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not thinking of any specific person in my life right now that talks like that. Huh. <laughs> Anybody do anything uh, amazing in your life recently? Did anybody do anything amazing in my yeah. life? Anybody want to give a shout out to Man, you? that's a fantastic question. The thing is, like, if you just sit down and you think, what could I be grateful for, particularly when it comes to the actions of other people and what they've, you know, been doing, um, you're never going to get to the end of that list. There's so many things to be grateful for. And I'm not just being like, super optimistic, super positive. I mean, like, really, like, if you just really sat down and thought about it, there's so much to be oh yeah, to be grateful for when it comes to, you know, your daily interactions with other people, the, the people that you routinely see, you know, hopefully you get out there and routinely have a group of people you see, friends, colleagues, family, whatever, clients even. Yeah. Um, some of my clients have become very good friends. The hilarious thing is, if I'm developing a friendship with a particular client, I have to then tell that client, I probably shouldn't be your lawyer and some other lawyer in my company can represent you and deal with all of your legal issues and we can be full-time friends. And I have said that to clients because it's very, very difficult and, you know, crosses certain boundaries if you try to wear both of those hats. Yeah. You're either friends and that's it, or you're a lawyer and a client and that's it. But if you try to be both, it, it becomes complicated. So, and I'm, I'm the kind of person, I'm like, hey, you know what? You're a cool guy, whatever. You want to hang out? You want to chill? You want to go get a whatever? Like it used to be a drink matcha at the bar. at 5 in the morning? Yeah, I was going to say now it's matcha or whatever, or, or like a, a zero alcohol beer or whatever. I was going to say like a, some drinks at the bar, but that, you know, that's a, that chapter of my life is behind me, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know if you you know you've got clients that become friends like that, and why not? And I think that's unique to certain professions, right? Like um, if you're somebody's doctor or whatever, there has to be certain professional boundaries. If you are their therapist, of course, but you know if you're um, in some other type of business uh, where those boundaries don't have to be there, you can you could probably realistically be both a service provider of some sort and a friend at the same time. Like if you're just a, I don't know, photographer or a, you know, painter or something, it's not, it's not something where it's like, Oh, you know, this is either strictly business or it's strictly friendship. Like certain professions require those boundaries. Certain professions don't. I think certain require, uh, professions require those boundaries to be blurry. They require the boundaries to be blurry. Very, oh, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, very, yeah. very interesting. Like those two that you just mentioned. Yeah. They are arts. Yeah, in the arts. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And if you don't really care about your your subject, well, then you're probably not going to be doing your best work. Yeah. You're right. That's And that's that's interesting because, you know, we don't 
generally, our education system generally doesn't encourage people to pursue the arts and um, get into lines of work where you'll be able to have have your cake and eat it too. You know, you can provide services and make money, and you can also have a really great group of friends that you also call clients who, you know, there doesn't need to be that separation between the two. But, you know, what ends up happening, you go through school, and then school tells you you got to go into one of the traditional professions, and you got to spend eight or nine years getting multiple degrees. And then what happens? You go out and you work, and you find out you're in an environment that's very cutthroat. That's very isolating. Oh, yeah. It's very lonely. It Surrounded by people, but also lonely. Sorry? An environment that might not even respect your human rights. Yeah. That happens in the yeah. workplace, you know, you in know? the real world. Yeah. I look at... Uh, I look at the uh, what's happened, what tends to happen, I should say, what tends to happen in a lot of other law firms and the culture, or I should say lack of workplace culture in those places, where the people you work with, um, you know, would delight in seeing you fail. You know, mm. all of your uh, coworkers are your, also your enemies. And um, that's just not how we run our company. And if I, you know, get the sense that, you know, there are associates that are out for blood who would like to see the failure of another associate in the company, um, I don't take that very well. You know, I like to create a, an environment of collegiality, you know. And generally, you know, those toxic personalities just don't last. They get removed at some point. Mm-hmm. So, That's good to hear. Yeah. I don't think any workplace, law firm or not, any, any workplace should tolerate toxicity. No, they shouldn't. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's 2021, right? It's not, it's not the 1950s anymore where it's like you show up to work and you're an automaton who just has to punch a clock and you put up with anything. No, we come to work with much better expectations of what that experience is going to be like now in today's world. And I try to deliver on that as much as I can. And I'm the first person to admit that I failed to do that in the past. I think anyone who's like, oh, I'm just the perfect boss and I'm the perfect entrepreneur, you're lying to yourself. That's another impersonation. Yeah, right? Like, um, but the longer you do it and the, and the more experience and wisdom you get the, and the more of a desire you have to do better, I think things generally tend to improve over time, you know, as you, as you get get deeper into running a company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So long as your intentions are good. They say everything that measured that is measured improves. Yeah. You've said that to me on many occasions. Everything that's measured improves, which is why I guess if you get on the weighing scale every single day and you're tracking your weight and you're tracking your calories, you can't weighing, help. Weighing, not weighing. Okay, okay, okay. Weighing, okay. weighing, weighing, yeah, weighing, weighing scale. What's a weighing scale? Weighing the scale. weighing scale. <laughs> There's another no, the weighing scale. <laughs> you know, you check your weight every day. You check your calories every day. Yeah, you yeah. measure it. You uh, set you goals. Gotcha. You're not checking. You're gonna, weight. you're gonna lose weight. But if you're not paying attention, you're like, oh shit, I had four thousand calories today. I didn't even realize it. Oh shit, I haven't checked my weight in a while. How did I gain this twenty-five pounds? Because you didn't notice it changing because you weren't checking. Mm. Anything that's measured improves. It's true. I agree. The people have spoken. Andrew and Ryan have spoken on the So Chill podcast. So Chill. Who did the voiceover? I found the guy on Fiverr. 
Amazing. Yeah. Great voice. Yeah. Great Anybody voice. who is like looking for, you know, online services, uh, animation, blog writing, uh, voiceover, voice acting, even programming, you know, there's, there's many, 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 many different types of services you can get on Fiverr for, uh, I won't say like a great price because there are definitely plenty of vendors on Fiverr that are probably overcharging, but there's just so many vendors that if you're, you know, a smart buyer and you're able to be, you know, diligent about browsing the various service providers that are on the website, you can get a great deal on some very, very good work. So, yeah. Just got to know how to look for it. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're thinking of starting your own podcast and you think it's like rocket science, it's really not, you know. It's brain surgery. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's not rocket science. It's brain surgery. <laughs> I mean, you get to get the right equipment. Um, find a good editor, uh, and, and order stuff, you know, for a reasonable price online at a, on a, like a freelancing marketplace website. And, uh, you know, it, and if it's like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't have 50 or 60 bucks to like pay this guy online to like make me Ryan an intro. will do it for you. I will not do it for you to oh. make it clear. <laughs> I don't okay. have the time to do that. But like, um, you just like, if you look at your budget. And I use I use Mint.com for this. I love it. Mint is awesome. Um, if you and Mint is free, by the way. You and, are the product. And yeah, sorry. You are the product. yeah. If anything that's free, you are the product. So they're probably mining your data, to be honest. But my point is, I go I go on this app called Mint, and I connect it to all of my financial accounts. You know, my credit cards, checking account, and everything. And it provides me with really great visualizations and data about my spending habits and my inflow and outflow and all that stuff. And it makes it very, very, very easy for me to be like, whoa, like I need to cut that out. I need to change this. I need to switch to that. Like you don't notice your spending habits until you have some really great data visualization to show it to you. And a lot of people are just apprehensive. A lot of people are just afraid to look they're like, I don't want to see my bank account. I don't want to look at my credit card statement. It's going to make me anxious. It's going to remind me of like my financial situation. And I don't want to think about my financial situation. I'm like, look, yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, those are all very real feelings. And you I'm not going to bury your head in the sand. Yeah, but you also can't bury your head in the sand. You're going to make your situation worse the more you ignore it. So measure it, track it, take a look at it, see what lifestyle changes can be made. And I, I'm the first person to acknowledge that there are some things, financially speaking, that are the fault of an unequal society, that you cannot bootstrap yourself out of the cycle of poverty if you've been dealt a really bad hand in your life and you think you're just going to download some app and like a month later or a year later, you're going to be living with financial freedom. Not necessarily. There's some serious inequality in both Canada and America. But if you are, let's say, lucky enough to be part of the middle class, um, we were talking about that on another episode, the yep. you know, middle class and all that stuff. Um, I think that was more so from the perspective of like politics. But yes, why should this, there be a this middle is, class? This is more from like a financial literacy middle perspective. Classes. If you're part of the middle class um, and you have some reasonable inflow of cash every month, there are things you can do to um, measure your expenditure, measure what you're doing. And um, you can um, make changes, make changes that 
give you a little bit of a surplus, a little bit of a savings every month and uh, invest it. You know, you can put that into an ETF. You might not know what an ETF is, but uh, I'm sure Angela will explain it during this podcast. So you want to know what an ETF is, huh? I do. Well, I'm, I know what an ETF is, but I think our listeners could benefit from knowing how to invest in an ETF, even if you only have 20 or $30 to invest. Just, you know. Yeah, okay. So an ETF, an ETF is an exchange-traded fund. Everybody's heard of mutual funds. Mutual funds are actively managed um, funds, which is to say like a pooled investment vehicle where a lot of people put their money in so they could have one manager who does a really good job of putting everything together and making lots of money for everybody. It doesn't always work out, but they try. Uh, And then ETFs showed up on the street. And what was it? It was passively managed funds. So instead of paying somebody all kinds of money, to manage the the money uh, for it to, to grow. It's sort of like a buy and hold policy. So one example is uh, you can get a, an ETF of the S&P 500. The S&P 500 is a standard of poor's 500 largest companies in the U.S. So it's a U.S. denominated fund usually. And uh, the gist is that instead of paying about 3% a year in management expense ratios, you pay something like half a percent. So from 3% to half a percent, that's 2.5%, that, uh, that's going to double your money every 30 years. So, You know what I notice about you, Andrew, when you explain stuff, is that you generally assume that other people are as smart as you are. And that's a very fatal assumption. So I can tell you for a fact that there was a lot of terms that you used and then delivered in a way that many people out there are not going to have a clue what we're talking about, which is not a criticism of you. Um, it just goes to show how well you understand this topic. What I, for anyone remaining who didn't get any of that, an ETF is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding of it in super layman's terms is if I want to buy a stock, which is buying partial ownership in a company, I can do that on the stock market. I can open up, you know, my Wealth Simple app and I can put some money in there from my bank account and I can say, okay, buy one share of Apple or Tesla or whatever. Great. Now I own this tiny, 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 tiny portion of Apple or Tesla. Or I can use my money to buy shares in an ETF, which basically means I own many different companies and my money will grow or it might shrink depending on how all of these companies do as a group. So there are very popular groups of companies out there. One of the groups of companies that people invest in through an ETF um, is what Andrew was talking about, which is the S&P 500, which, as the name would suggest, is a group of 500 companies. And if you buy shares in the S&P 500, and let's say all on average, all 500 of these companies are doing really great and their stock values are going up, well, your shares in the S&P 500 will also go up um, based on sort of the average of how all of these 500 companies are doing. Now, you might be wondering, why would I do that? Why would I invest in 
many companies at the same time rather than just investing in like one company that I think is going to do really great. I'm going to get really rich off of buying this stock. Well, the whole idea is that if there's some companies in the group that aren't doing well and their stock values are going down, well, that gets offset by the companies that are doing well. Well, those stock values are going up. So what you're doing is you are investing in the stock market in a way that doesn't create a lot of risk of losing a whole ton of money. There's still risk. There's still risk, There's still but, risk. but it's much less risky than putting all your money into this one company that, for all you know, next year, the company's completely out of business. And guess what? All those stocks that you bought in that company, those stocks are worthless. And you lost your whole investment. So it's just a little bit safer to put your money into an ETF because it's a group of companies that you're counting on. And hey, if all 500 of those companies go down the toilet, well, that doesn't say anything good for the entire American economy as a whole. <laughs> then you're in a, then you probably got bigger problems, <laughs> which actually does happen from time to time. Hence, like you look at the, um, you know, what happened with the stock average stock prices of most companies during the outside of the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, from February to March. You know, it was a huge crash. doesn't matter what you were invested in. Your your stock values dropped for that amount of time. But, um, you know, the economy recovered and the stock values came back. So, I, you know, if you didn't get that explanation, I don't know how much simpler I could put it. So that's that's my understanding of an ETF. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that pretty much covers it, I guess. You, you you get the benefits of diversification, um, so you're not trying to pick stocks. You you don't have to pick a winner. And uh, actually, you know what? There are still some ETFs that I would say are, are managed like mutual funds that uh, I wouldn't put money in them because they're not really broad representations of the market. And right. So you don't get the that diversity or diversification. You know, um, a really great comment that a lot of people are making about the stock market um, while America was like in the the grips of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, in early to mid twenty twenty, um, they said the stock market is not the economy. It's not the economy. And I think that is a very, very, very important thing to mention because it's so easy for people to get it's so easy for people to get caught up in this idea that our entire economy, whether you're in America or in Canada, um, is you know can be summarized by what's going on in the stock market. The stock market's up, economy's doing great. Stock market's down. Oh, no, the economy's suffering. That's not how this works. It's the lives of the majority, the vast majority of the people that live in the country. That's what you have to look at. Take, take the 80 to 85% of people who are in the middle of, you know, the economy and ask yourself, how are they doing? Or take it one step further. Ask the people who are in the bottom 10% of the wealth class ranges and ask yourself how they're doing. Not great. Not great. And then ask yourself, then, then, you know, we can talk about questions like how's the economy doing? And these are, these are moral questions. These aren't even necessarily, you know, financial questions. These are moral questions. How do you judge 
the strength of an economy. Sure, you can have lots and lots of millionaires and billionaires in your economy. Sure, you can produce a lot of things in your factories. You can have the world's most, you know, gorgeous architecture. You can have, you know, a great, you know, food infrastructure and, you know, but if what, 15, 20, maybe 25% of your population is struggling just to survive each day? Yeah. Is that a is that an example of a great economy? No. no. It doesn't matter how great the stocks are doing. I think you told me this uh, expression a long time ago, and we I bring it up so much. You bring it up from time to time, too. The stock market really is a graph of rich people's emotions. There it is. The stock market is a graph of rich people's emotions. There it is. That's like... You know, that hit me hard because I was just like, man, what the hell? You know, like people are working their asses off at these, you know, jobs that they hate, hoping maybe I can save a little bit of money, toss it into the stock market, watch my wealth grow and secure my future. And you're putting it into something which is a graph of rich people's. Like, it's crazy, you know. And, and the thing is, I'm speaking as someone where I do hold investments in American ETFs. I do have uh, money traded in major stock exchanges and knowing full well the craziness of what where I'm putting my money it's like you do it anyway because what's the other what's the other option you try to invest in some land and maybe you rent it out or you you know you I don't know it's just we live we live in these strange times where it's like everybody just wants to feel safe they want to feel financially secure and a lot of people don't. Most people don't. And um, it's it's just nuts, you know. Like I even even if you're a well-educated professional, so-called well-educated professional, like as a I'm speaking as a lawyer who knows people who are highly educated, other in other professions, not law, who are also highly educated and um, in so-called you know very sought-after careers, and it's like. You look at their lives, and it's like, I really thought it would be, I thought this was going to feel different. You know, I thought this was going to be different. And I don't regret anything. You know, I don't regret um, going to law school or building a business or making the investments that I made or anything like that or, like, delaying certain things in my life. I remember, actually, this is reminding me, I remember there was a guy I went to law school with who was uh, a bit older than me when I was in law school, and... uh he was um, someone who had spent those extra years just accumulating degrees, had so many degrees. Wow. And by the time we were both in the same graduating law class, I was like, you know, do you think any of this stuff is worth it? You know, like just going through so many years of school and like delaying, doing things like buying a house, starting a family, all this stuff. And he's like, Oh yeah, totally. Like I, I have friends who already, they've owned houses for a long time. They've been living their lives and, you know, having fun and out of school for a long time. And, um, some of them didn't even bother with higher education or anything like that. And their lives are just perfectly great. And I'm like, so, you know, what, what gives, you know, like spending all these years of your life putting off certain stuff. And he was like, you know, I don't know. I just, this is just what I wanted to do. And, you know, I just, here I am. And um, I don't. Anyway, long story short, I don't think anyone should have any regrets about that stuff. Whether you know it has to do with 
how you've saved or you haven't been able to save when it comes to your money or yeah. what the path you've taken with your career, anything you know, like that. You, you Just left about the, security, yeah. and I think that's really important in your old age. Yeah. Uh, and you have to plan for that for your old age. But you got to live to have a life that you can be proud of. Yeah, you know? It's like, who wants to get to this finish line of, like, retirement? And you wake up one day, and you're 60 or you're 70, and you're like, I spent my whole damn life setting myself up to have enough money in my bank account so that I can get here and now do what? Yep. Do what? The, you know, your, your youth and your energy and your health is largely behind you, and you spent all of it trying to secure your future that, you know, I mean, live life now. You want to travel? Travel now. If you have the money, do it. If you don't have the money, well, I guess you can't, but figure out how to get it. You want to um, pursue a new passion, a new hobby, a new talent. You always want to pick up an instrument. You don't know how to play the guitar, but you want to learn. Go, go learn to play the guitar. You know, I used to play the piano when I was a kid, and I get it saddens me that, like, I haven't um, developed that passion. I've just wrapped myself up in my job and I could easily order a keyboard and just like carve out an hour here and there and just start playing the piano again. I could. And you know what? Now that I'm on this rant on this podcast, maybe that's what I'm going to do and I'm going to go home. Maybe I'm going to go home, whip out my phone and go on Amazon and find myself a, you know, Amazon prime delivery of a great keyboard and just, just do it, you know, cause it's just, life's just too short. And I think um, my mind is on this life's too short thing because, like, someone I know lost someone close to them recently. And it was very, very devastating. It was very sad. And there's been a lot of loss. And I'm not even just talking. I'm not. It was not COVID-related. And I'm not talking about all the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who died from COVID. I'm talking about everyday stuff. I'm talking about car accidents. I'm talking about heart attacks. I'm talking about the stuff that um, takes away people young and old. And in this particular example, I'm thinking of it, it was a very young person. And it got me thinking, you know, like life is just too short. Just whatever it is you're waiting to do. I think of this every day. Quit waiting. Quit waiting. And you know what I found, and I don't know what it is. I don't know where, I honestly don't know where this is coming from, but almost every day this week and, and for maybe the, the, the last few weeks, I think, I've just been waking up in the morning with so much energy and so much drive to just make make each day feel like the perfect day. And now it's super cliche, super, you know, sappy, whatever you want to call it. But I wake up and, you know, I make a great breakfast uh, and I work out and I play some music gets me really going, you know, like have a, just get my spirits up and I go to my job and I hang out with some really cool people and I have some good laughs with really great colleagues and we do some really good work for our clients. And that's my day, most work days, you know, it's a good day. And then on the weekends I come out here and we have these great fucking fantastic conversations, you know, like what else could I ask for? It's all about gratitude and noticing like happiness is moment to moment. You know, and feel free to cut me off if you have any thoughts on this stuff, Andrew. But like, I really found, and this is generally quite, 
I feel like it's very recent in my life, very, very recent in my life that I'm starting to realize that like happiness is found moment to moment. It's not a destination. I know it's super cliche. I'm it's not a the, trajectory. Yeah. It's, it's not like it's the path. Yeah. It's there's like, I am not the first, I guarantee I am not the first person that, you know, if you're listening out there and you're listening to me, you know, rant on about this, I am not the first person to tell you this. This is probably the hundredth time. Maybe you've heard somebody say happiness is not a destination and it's true. It, it is, it is your day to day. It is moment to moment and you can find happiness in uh, like the, the smallest thing, like meeting your calorie goal for the day. You can find it in, uh, you know, a sweet sugary drink that you don't have to feel guilty about because you went to the gym and now you can enjoy how great it tastes. Or in runner's high or in accomplishing a goal or whatever. I'm sure you've been having some plenty of, plenty of runner's high recently because yeah. you've been running quite a bit recently. I have. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my legs will never forgive me. Well, you got to take it easy at, yeah. you know, at our age, <laughs> which is a sad thing to say. We're still quite up. young. No, yeah. no, no. We're still, I mean, uh, look, there's probably 50-year-olds out there who are, you know, in amazing shape. Oh, yeah. Who are, you know, could probably run 15 kilometers, and I, you know, I couldn't do that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, fortunately, um, I found that all the extra time over the pandemic and, uh all that staying at home um, with no excuses gave me a really great opportunity to actually improve my fitness. And I bought like a, you know, a exercise bike for my living room. Uh, I bought these bars that I can do dips on and like just building up my strength from that. And I've, I've actually like felt like I've been in fantastic shape comparatively. Um, you know, coming out of the, during and, and coming out of this pandemic, you know, with all the great products that I bought and just putting the time in, working out at home, doing, doing whatever you can. Arguably, I think I actually probably worked out more frequently during the pandemic than I did before the pandemic. And that was before the, because before the pandemic, I had this mindset where I'm like, I got to go down to my car and drive over to the gym. And then I got to, you know, after I'm done working out, I'm, you know, shower in the locker room, drive home. And I had to psych myself out to like get in the mode to like leave the house and go to the gym. Now, if I want to work out, just go over to my living room and work out. And it's hilarious because I could have done that without the, the pandemic. Whole time. I didn't need a world ending event to realize that I could have just done that the whole time. You're right. Thankfully, it's not a world-ending event. Well, no, I mean, it felt like a world-ending event for sure a while did. there. Sure did, for know, a long time. For a long time. And it felt like the government wasn't uh, putting enough resources into uh, taking the problem seriously. And, uh, you know, it could have been some mismanagement here and there. Looking back, there's always decisions that you would change, that you would try to do better. And um, it's just a shame so much life has been lost over it. But... Um, you know, we remember the fallen and, uh, we, we got to make the most of what we have. That's what they'd want for us. Yeah. And, uh, you just gotta keep on swimming. Keep on swimming, man. That's a, is that from Finding Nemo? Yes, it is. Yeah. It's from Finding Nemo. <laughs> keep, keep on swimming. It is time. 
It, no, that's from Lion King. Oh, yeah, it yeah, It is right. time. <laughs> Just before we started recording, Andrew played a scene from The Lion King on his phone. That's right. Where Simba goes up on Pride Rock, and he, like, takes his throne as the and king. Rafiki right? says... Rafiki goes, it is time. <laughs> yeah. Epic scene, man. I was telling Andrew that when that movie came out, I was in the fifth grade, and I watched it each and every single day. <laughs> Just like it's like <laughs> I don't know how kids do that. They'll like they'll watch the same movie again and again and again. It's like it never gets old for them. I think it's their active imagination. Like it takes them to another world, and they just want to spend time in that world. It's not about watching a movie they've already seen. It's about going away to their happy place that 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 movie takes them to. Oh my God! Here we go. <laughs> Love it. There's going to be a bunch of people putting on the Lion King tonight now. Oh, yeah. Because they, they just heard really that. happier whenever they hear this. I'm going to be a mighty king. So enemies beware. Is that is that how it goes? Part of it. Probably, yeah. yeah. Okay. You I probably butchered the song. But I don't know. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. Yeah. It's a big part of my childhood, too. <laughs> You know what I'm going to be listening to on the drive home from the studio now? Lion King. Oh, I'm going to be listening to The Lion King with a big smile on my face. Yeah. This is what I was talking about. Happiness is moment to moment. You know? Yeah. 33 years old listening to Lion King, Disney show tunes, whatever. You can find oh, man. You can find joy in stuff like that. You can. Yeah. And if it doesn't bring you joy, do what Marie Kondo does. You just throw it out the window. Marie Kondo. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Does it spark joy? Does it spark joy? <laughs> Everybody was all about Marie Kondo for a little while there. Yeah, when it was like first came out on Netflix, it was it was the big thing. You know, the it's only like, thing I disagree with her about that I, I've heard I don't know everything she said, but one of the things I disagree with her about is um, she said to get rid of books you've already read. I think that's a, a very smart idea. I don't think so, man. I don't need that kind of negativity. <laughs> I don't need that kind of negativity. <laughs> Look, if you gift it to someone who could benefit from it, yeah, okay, I think that's okay, a, okay. I think that both people win because, and then they should give it back. No, I mean they then they can pay it forward as well. They can give it to someone else. That book, the knowledge well, in that I book, can, lend can it to somebody else. Yes, then you can choose who else you can. can Do you know Kiva dot org? No, Kiva dot org is uh, in the spirit of. Uh, uh, Muhammad Yunus, who I think won a an economics prize for his work in uh, microfinancing. I remember this was a long time ago. That, yeah. That, so yeah, a few years ago, I put in two hundred bucks to Kiva.org to lend people money for starting businesses or doing whatever they need to do in in their life, like you know, buying solar panels for cheaper energy for their home or their farm, or their business, or whatever the case may be. I've lent that same $200 out like four times. Wow. And it's grown because wow. you get something like between 5 and 10% interest. Whoa, okay. Because it's a risky endeavor. And sure so, is. You know, it's better than corporate bonds even. Yeah. But uh, I just keep lending it out. I just keep lending it out over and over. And it feels really good. Cool. Very cool. Kiva.org. So with 200 bucks, I've lent it out 
and and it's I think close to a thousand bucks that I've lent now out now in total, just by amount of dollars that I have lent. But it's the same money over and over. Yeah, it just keeps coming back. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah. What and, was the website? Kiva dot org. How do you spell K-I-V-A. that? K I V A. K I V A. Well, there K-I-V-A. you go. And Again, they, they did not pay us to say that. No, they didn't. But it's just a great. <laughs> you know, what would be really cool. Sorry, go ahead. I, so it's a great company that people should know about. Yeah. And in the same spirit that you can lend out the same money over and over again, you can lend out the same books over and over again. People, when they borrow your books, they should give them back. Fair enough. All right. That's one way to live. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be really cool, I was about to say, is if there was any companies out there that were willing to pay us to talk about them. But it's also kind of cool that there aren't any because that means we can just shoot the shit and chill and talk about whatever we want to talk about yeah. with absolutely no business or financial reason for, for doing so. The ugly. Yeah. Andrew's just having a conversation with himself at this point. No, no, no. We're talking, I'm talking about yeah. the, um, what we can say about corporations. Yeah. Whatever well, we want. We can say whatever we want. You know they came out with a sequel to the documentary The Corporation? Oh, wow. Yeah, there's another one. It came out quite recently. At least I discovered it recently. And um, I, uh, I've been meaning to Is finish it. it I think. I, well, I, I remember I, I was watching like the first 10 minutes or so. Um, but uh, you know what? That's probably what I'm going to do when I get home tonight. I'm going to finish watching that. Because when the original one came out many, many years ago, I think I was probably in undergrad or high school or something, and I learned so much from that documentary, The Corporation. Yeah. And um, how it drew attention to all the social ills that uh, can, that do happen, that corporations are capable of. Not to say that all businesses and all corporations are out there making the world a worse place, but uh, there are some that are definitely making the world a worse place. Uh, And the unchecked, you know, unregulated way that they go about doing this, you know, it deserves public scrutiny. And I think that documentary did a really great job of that. So I'm super excited to see the second one. That's great, man. Well, I think we should end it there on a high note. Yeah. Anyway. Thanks, Don. Yeah, thanks, Don, for all the possible. hard work and editing that you do. <laughs> I think we've given him a shout-out every single episode so far. And this is and three for three. It. Yeah, for all the hours he puts in. Yeah. But we, um, as long as we're giving shout-outs... Uh, one of my team members, one of my employees at the company came up to me and said, hey, I followed your podcast. And I was like, oh, my God, we have a follower. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty so, amazing. So her name is Faria. Thank you, Faria, for following Thanks, us on Faria. Spotify. You're awesome. And keep up the good work. <laughs> All right, okay, wait, 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 Let's do a send-off. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, look, so Andrew's hand was floating over the stop record button. And no, I'm like, I whoa, whoa, let's, I let's, say, let's say bye to everybody. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Everybody, thanks for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure, and we will uh, chill out with you on the next episode of So Chill with Andrew and Ryan. It's Andrew and Ryan, So Chill. (laughs) You've been listening to So Chill with Andrew and Ryan. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on Spotify and chill out with us again next time.